Welcome back to Ready, Set, Scale, a ScanSource podcast series focused on how to buy, sell, and use technology solutions in different markets. Thank you to our manufacturing and warehouse vertical sponsors, Zebra, Cisco, Blue Parrot, Datalogic, Epson, Honeywell, and Tyco Cantec. Stay tuned to learn more about how these sponsors can help you discover new opportunities in manufacturing and warehouse. In today's episode, we'll speak with John Worthland, Industry Principal within Manufacturing and Transportation and Logistics at Zebra. Welcome. Thank you, John. We are so glad to have you today. So let's dive right in. So, John, I want to focus in on a couple of key things first. So go with me here. There have been some great tech advancements in the manufacturing vertical in the last five years, and even more so in the last 18 months. I mean, just from the statistics alone, we know that e-commerce growth has grown in those last 18 months by four and five years. We also know from statistics that spending just in May of 2020 alone was up 77% from an online spend. So within that accelerated need and demand and growth and those advancements, how has RFID and AI capabilities played a role in this? Well, Shannon, thank you for uh, the opportunity to, to visit with you today. RFID has really been an enabler for corporations that have been faced with, uh, I'll call it the pandemic effect, right? Customers now are um, at home ordering online more than they ever had before. I always use the uh, example of my my mother who's 84, never ordered anything online, and now all of a sudden she's owning her toilet paper with, you know, with her phone. Uh, and, and the <laughs> I love that. <laughs> right, and the expectations is that customers aren't, comfortable with two to three days delivery, right? Customer expectations now are next day and same day delivery in a lot of cases. So what we're finding is that there's a tremendous uptick, as you mentioned, in e-commerce and delivery and a tremendous downturn in labor availability, right? We're seeing a lot of that, you know, a lot of Come apply inside inside signs, right? Vacancy here. One of my favorites is if you know you know you don't like the service, just be grateful they showed up. And and we're seeing a lot of that in um, fulfillment centers where they're really really short on labor, but expect to do a lot more. So customers are coming to us and asking, how can we do more with less? And RFID is really playing a key role with that. Because when you look at RFID, you look at some of the use cases that we that we typically see customers starting with. And let me back up a little bit. We have a, a, a warehouse maturity model that we built uh, before the pandemic started. And it basically is five phases going from zero where you're doing basic data entry, maybe some barcoding, a little bit of mobility, all the way to phase five where you're returning, talked about artificial intelligence and machine learning. And right in the middle of that, in in phase three, is where customers are starting to dip their toe into things like RFID and automated sensing of what's happening. And let me elaborate on that a little bit, Shannon. What I I mean that is typically when you offload a truck um, and you have pallets and cases, they may sit in the staging area or somewhere in the warehouse for maybe several hours, several days before somebody actually scans them or registers that receipt. So the problem that customers have is 
you might have what you need, not only in, in, a, in a distribution center, but also think about a manufacturing environment. But because it hasn't been entered into the system, it's not visible to the ERP system. So the system doesn't know that you have what you need in order to process that order or build that machine or build that in that device, if you will. So we're finding that if we can auto sense as you're offloading product and read RFID tags, automatically as they come in, register that receipt, and then tell the driver where to put it because we already integrated with where that is in the warehouse management system. We don't have to stop and stage things and then hope they get received at some point. We can do that in a very fluid motion. So RFID is being really looked at in those cases to help register those events and capture that edge much more autonomously, if you will. And then we're seeing customers starting to elaborate once they understand how that works, trying to figure out how they can do other things in their environment, such as understand where, where parts are located. You know, if I'm in an assembly line and I'm making a car, right, we want to make sure that the parts are available for that vehicle or that assembly to make sure that we can we can meet that demand that's planned for that day. If we don't have that, then we need to be alerted. And IoT or RFID is helping in a lot of those different areas. And I would say that RFID has really come to its own in the last three years, where from a, a capital investment, there's a lot less risk because it's very, very common and very solid. And also from an ongoing standpoint, the technology has come down in price, especially the ongoing technology. When we think about the RFID labels, there may be 10 cents where that it makes sense that if I'm tracking a pallet of, let's say, um, laptops, right? That pallet may be worth two, three, four hundred thousand dollars that it makes sense to put a 10 cent tag to make sure that I can receive that quickly and put it through my warehouse. So we're seeing um, a lot of these things kind of come together, you know, the increased demand, the lower labor and the maturity of the RFID technology, both in lower risk as well as lower cost. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it just seems like now more than ever is the, the perfect time if you haven't gotten involved with RFID tagging that now's the time to do it. Because to your point, I mean, there's so many benefits to it, especially when we're seeing these increased demands. And to your point, some of the, um, the lapse in labor resources. Absolutely. You did touch on IoT. Now, I, I know uh, this is a little different, but can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I know as we were digging into research on manufacturing and, and this particular vertical, we, we know or we have seen in our research that a lot of manufacturers are looking to increase that. As a matter of fact, one of the, one of the stats that I saw was that you know around 34% of manufacturers are looking to increase their IoT. Is that something you can talk about? Sure, I can touch on it a little bit. So when you think of IoT for the audience, that means Internet of Things. And you might think of that as things in your home where, you know, refrigerators are being enabled with the Internet to be able to tell you, hey, you're out of milk. Or, you know, here's the list of, uh, you know, here's when your today's soccer match is coming up, right? That you might have a screen on your, on your front of your do refrigerator door. But industry, especially manufacturing, um, looks at IoT and, and leverage that in lots of different ways. RFID is falls under that category, like we talked about before, but also things like monitoring the health of robots or equipment. 
being able to understand when an item may be ready for calibration or might be ready for service and or telling you, hey, I'm falling out of tolerance of what, how I'm supposed to operate. And instead of it just breaking down, providing that internet link back to somebody that's monitoring these, maybe across a region or even globally, to give you a heads up that you might want to intervene and do something to keep that, that system or that asset going is really where we're seeing a lot of leverage of IoT uh, within manufacturing. Because you can imagine if something goes down, you know, it's reactive, right? And when some of these lines go down, you know, you may be looking at hundreds or even thousands of dollars a minute that cost that company because that machine is down. So knowing that that machine might be going down three or four days ahead of time and being able to react to that proactively is really where we're seeing a lot of use uh, within IoT. Just think, hey, if our if our pain points can talk to us and warn us, then why wouldn't we take advantage of that? So the uh, the business case is there. Uh, a lot of that is becoming much more commonplace. And um, that's where we're seeing a lot of the, uh, the uptick in IoT, Shannon. Great. Thank you. Thank you. So, so also kind of, kind of playing to that just a little bit, we kind of see how competitive the manufacturing space has become and finding new ways to extend into this vertical, you know, for our partners can seem overwhelming. So are there things that you could suggest that would help partners be able to stand out with um, some of the bigger players or other niches that they might consider? Sure. I think the, the big key and what we're really doing with my role is we are trying to understand what's happening in that industry, right? From an operational standpoint or even just an industry events that might be affecting what our customers need to do to stay current, stay competitive within the landscape, right? So it's not just a matter of you know pushing devices. It's a matter of really understanding and, and walking the mile in our customers' shoes not only to get to know their environment and their processes, but get to know what they're looking at, you know, what's what's their, what's on the horizon two, three, four, five years down the road that not only from a business strategy standpoint may change what they need, but also are there industry disruptors that they're worrying about that's keeping them up at night? And, and one of the things, uh, case in point, we're finding, um, I'm really concentrating on the pharma supply chain industry. And Right now, the pharma industry has come together globally to try and combat counterfeit drugs. So there are regulations sweeping around the world to allow us to ensure that our drugs are safe that are coming to us by by monitoring and tracing that drug all the way from the manufacturer through the supply chain to point of care. And there's different milestones that companies are having to, to come up with that our technologies as a partner can help assist in, in meet those regulations. So those are the type of things that are really the big nuggets that, that change you from being a hardware vendor to being a trusted advisor and partner. John, let me make sure I understand. So from a cold chain capabilities in your temp time, so you're tracking, uh, you're tracking these medications that need to stay at a certain temp at all times. And if it goes above that temperature, even before it gets to the shelf, you're tracking it when it gets to the loading. I mean, you're tracking the whole thing all the way across the board. All the way across the board. Yeah, it's not even going to get into my hands as a consumer. It's not even going to get to the pharmacist, to their hands, 
if it's if it's gone outside of that temperature or that range that it needs to. That's correct, and that's what's so incredible, and it's 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 come to the forefront. Um, of our awareness because of the COVID vaccine. And we all know the extreme temperatures uh, that some of the vaccines need to be kept at. So um, our temp time data loggers and, and bio labels were used to uh, help help combat the COVID vaccine, which we are um, extremely proud of. As you should be. I mean, that is, that's remarkable. I, I mean, I know when, when I first heard cold chain capabilities, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm thinking ice cream, you know, did my ice cream melt? before it got to the grocery store. But when you put it in this kind of context and you're th- you're you're saying, hey, this is life-saving capabilities. Because if that medication had not been exactly right, someone may have been in jeopardy. So this is absolutely incredible stuff. And so yes, you should be very proud of that. So thank you. Thank you, Zebra, for for having those capabilities and, and helping with that vaccination distribution. You bet. Proud to do it, Shannon. So also kind of thinking about partners expanding and looking at different things within this manufacturing space or their portfolio, how do you see some of this maybe crossing into other verticals? You know, we've talked about the the pharmaceutical protocols and being able to track that, but are there other things that you could think of that would help them either cross over or again, expand their portfolio in the manufacturing space? Right. So I think we have to open our minds a little bit about really what our customer is trying to do. When you think about uh, the vaccine or medication, you think about manufacturing, right? Somebody's going to make it. Um, somebody's going to store it. They're going to distribute it. And that may, be, that may go through two or three hands before it gets to the final point of care. Well, when you think about that, you think about several verticals, right? Manufacturing. You think about distribution, uh, maybe transportation, crosstalk, and then you may think of retail or healthcare. And, and traditionally, our customers, and even us, we're guilty of this, we tend to think of these businesses, five different businesses, instead of looking at the whole, the whole solution in totality. And I think that's really what's key. When I talk to executives in the pharma industry, they want to understand how I can track that product from beginning to end. And that's really what this whole um, Drug Supply Chain Security Act, which which is what we formed in 2013 for North America to address the the, uh, counterfeit drug issue, was we needed an end-to-end solution. And what's been really um, inspiring is that competitors are coming together to try and figure out how do we solve this. And it's really been accelerated with the COVID vaccine. I've been on several different webinars and virtual events where customers are, or companies are coming together to figure out how am I going to do this? Especially when you think about third world countries, right? Some of these people don't even have names, much less trying to get them to come to a central location to get a shot twice, you know, in, in two or three weeks. And, and how do you get something there, you know, that, that needs to be at that level? So I've been talking to vendors that are actually creating refrigerated units that can go onto a backpack so somebody can transport that medication by a bicycle, right? But what's interesting though, and kind of where these paths cross is that when we talk about challenges, yes, there's there's very interesting logistical challenges of getting the medicine to these, these impoverished areas, if you will, or undeveloped areas. 
But the challenge isn't that. Isn't that the the biggest challenge, which just floored me, Shannon, was that 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 medication may get intercepted by bad actors that want to steal that medication, sell it on the black market, and replace it with counterfeit medication for profit. Now, when you think about that, it, it's kind of a it's kind of a blow to the head, right? And, and how do you solve that? Um, some things you you can solve, some things you can't. But the things that we're doing with data loggers end-to-end visibility are things that we can do, and and we have to concentrate on how we can bring that to market. So if I kind of break that down, when you think about RFID and, and IoT, I can provide um, RFID labeling at source, right? So as products are putting a label onto the case or the vial, we can embed an inlay into that. So then when that case goes onto a pallet, part of the requirements of this regulation are to um, track that serialized one specific medication container, if you will, in which which medication container goes into which serialized case into which pallet as it goes through the supply chain. Well, that's a really tall order when you're thinking about line of sight barcoding. Because if anybody on the call has ever worked in the warehouse, if I have a case of maybe 100, 200, 300 um, cases on a pallet, usually I might have light cases. So it's like, yeah, it looks like there's three or four there. I scan a few barcodes to, you know, to verify what's on there and, and I'm good to go, right? I send that down the line. But with these new regulations, we're actually building a transaction center, a file that has those serialized parent to child relationships with those serial numbers, if you will, that have that, you know, which which bottle is in which case, which case is in which pallet. And that has to be correct so that when I send it out as a shipper or manufacturer to my distributor, they're getting that information via um, what we call advanced ship notice or ASN. I'm sure your audience has probably heard of that. So they can verify it and understand what they're getting. So again, we can provide that traceability because the end results or the end goal here is that at point of care, when a pharmacist or a nurse or a doctor look at that that medicine and it just doesn't quite look right, right? They can go into the system and validate that audit trail that it actually did come through the manufacturer. But trying to do that with line of sight barcoding is extremely difficult. If you've ever tried to, to barcode 300 items, especially interior items, and make sure you don't do one twice or forget one, that's the challenge because that information is what's being used to build that, that transaction file. So it has to be correct. So the good news is, Shannon, we recently have tested that we can do that with our RFID technology and we can read within inside uh, those interior cases, regardless if they're liquid filled, uh, foil packs, uh, things like that to a very, very high degree of accuracy. So we're hoping that that's gonna be a game changer to enable the entire pharma supply chain to be able to work again together to combat the counterfeit medication issue. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Because, yeah, I, I'm just telling you, I wouldn't want to be that person that had to scan every bottle on every pallet of, I don't know, baby aspirin or something. Because, yeah, you get sidetracked or your mind wanders or, you know, a bird flies by and you're like, okay, was I on 192? Or 292. Yeah, I don't want that job. <laughs> well, exactly, because, you know, unless it's different cases, they all look alike, right? Especially exactly. when you're all the way upstream with the manufacturer coming off that packing line, you're going to have all like products. Um, so it's, um, 
it's it's very difficult. So barcoding is a wonderful technology, Shannon. I mean, that's where our bulk of our business is built off of. And there's always is going to be a reason for barcoding because the readable information that's on that label isn't going to change. And that's what I want to make sure your your audience understands is that the barcode label will still be there. It's just printed with an inlay, an RFID inlay that's encoded with that same 128 you know character barcode or other information so that can be read instead of one at a time i can read 300 cases in less than a second and that's what the game changer is right so being able to leverage that power of iot for good <laughs> is is really um, something that i get excited about and and love uh, sharing with with audiences just just like you have here at scansource Yes, that, that is amazing stuff. And, and just having that IoT inlay, I, I think that is that is impressive and amazing. And again, another game changer for the manufacturing and and lots of other industries that have to utilize um, that aspect of things. So, yes, very, um, very impressive. Very impressive. Right. Here's the thing that I typically like to ask, and this is where I, I ask my guests to, to get out the crystal ball and let's look at future trends. What are you seeing in this manufacturing space and how would you advise partners on what those trends are if they're looking to, again, upgrade or just expand their business? Sure. So we're seeing trends that are, very, very interesting and, and growing at a rate that is, is really unprecedented uh, because of the, the environment that we're in that we talked about earlier. And, and really what we're finding is a melding of data siloed events, such as if we knew what was going on in the order system, what's in the transportation system and what's in the warehouse management system, and then we coupled all that information with where those assets are stored on the shelf or an assembly line, and we started proactively melding that information together, we're starting to see some really, really neat things that are happening. Let me give you an example, a couple examples. One, automotive or, or you know assembly line. If I know that a sub-assembly is being received from my subcontractor and I'm planning to build um, 16 widgets this day, right? Well, I need to know that I have the right parts in order to have that line function. If I can automatically sense that I have those parts and that they did just arrive that moment and I, ha and I have visibility that moment, then I can move those parts either by robots, you know, AMRs, AVR type of technology to where they need to go. I don't have to wait for somebody to enter that in the system and then put it somewhere else for somebody else to move it. I can start automating those things. So now my, my assembly line is prepared to run that forecasted job for that day. In the past, I say past, I'm talking six months or, or later, that type of technology wasn't, wasn't done. They were done in swivel seat where you might look, all right, I need to find my, my parts in one system, my transportation in another system, see if it's received in another system. And to this day, people are using spreadsheets to try and figure all that out. But what if we could just you know automate that when we knew that that part A was at the assembly line in the right place at the right time. These are things that we're, we're finding that if we know where our assets are and we know things that are coming in and we can meld that information together, then the efficiencies 
gained are, are extraordinary. Another thing that I use as an analysis when I think about pulling orders in a warehouse, I started in medical logistics in the Air Force um, in the late 80s, early 90s. And we thought we were just the cat's meow because at the beginning of the day, I'd print all my orders that I had to fulfill for the for the floors in the hospital. And they were in row rack bin order. And I thought, wow, how much more efficient could you get? Right. So I would I would uh, serpentine the warehouse, pull that order and then take it up to the floor. And I'll tell you what, I don't think there was a day that went by that somebody didn't say, well, wait a minute. I need three more of these because we use more than we thought. Right. So what we're finding fast forward 20 years, 30 years now is that when you order something from your favorite online retailer, that order is probably going to change two or three times before we print it out. So the the days of printing out that order sheet at the beginning of a shift um, are gone, right? Because things change so much. So what if I were able to, instead of, you think of that analogy as being man-on-man defense, you know, the NFL is starting up and college football is starting up, so I'm going to kind of get into that spirit. What if we could play zone defense? What if... I could. I knew where my assets are were on the shelf that we needed to pick, and I knew where my forklifts are, and I knew where my people are. Why, instead of having one person serpentine the warehouse and walk 10 miles a day, why don't I just tell them with very simple Fisher-Price-like instructions, go to the shelf, pull that item, put it on the robot that's going to meet you right there, and that robot may either go to a staging area or they may go to another shelf location to grab another product. And that person, instead of working the whole warehouse, they're just working a section, right? And that unprotective foot time that we see everybody, you know, everybody's seen the trailers full of boxes, right? Trying to get from point A to point B. If we could do that using autonomous robots and other tools like that, and even instructions to our um, our forklift, then that's really where we see customers going. And that's where the now is, and that's where the future is. And that's where artificial intelligence, machine learning are pulling that data together and providing that performance edge that we at Zebra are really trying to to, uh, work with our customers to provide. And we have customers that are in that category, in that phase five of that maturity model that are seeing tremendous cost benefit and return on investment very, very quickly. So time, energy saved and efficiency created. That is some pretty awesome stuff. You have a great crystal ball there, John. I, I'm I'm digging that. Are there any final words or anything um, else you'd like our listeners to know? I think if you're a if you're a uh, a reseller or a channel partner, work with your customers alongside them. Um, learn about what they're trying to do. Learn about their pain, pain points. Really start talking to different personas. Our customers and our salespeople tend to talk to IT, you know, because we're a very IT-focused sort of industry, and they intend to talk to procurement and buyers. Start talking to your operations, your supply chain managers. Those are the people that are the end customers, the traditional people that we sell to. And you're going to find what their pain points are, and they're going to be happy to share that information with you. They may be a little off, you know, a little put off by the question because they're not used to Um, our industry approaching them from that level. But once you do, when you form that partnership and that trusted advisor status, you're going to see your relationship blossom within your accounts. And that's really where the win-win comes in from a true partnership to simply, you know, selling, uh, selling devices. 
that is great advice. You are you are spot on with that. So thank you. Thank you, John, so much for your time today, for your sharing your wisdom with us and your insights. We appreciate you and Zebra. Thank you so much. You're really welcome, Shannon. I really appreciate the opportunity and love being on your show today. Thank you. Thank you. Today's episode is sponsored by Zebra, Cisco, Blue Parrot, DataLogic, Epson, Honeywell, and Tyco Cantech. Warehouse and distribution centers certainly aren't new to e-commerce, but that doesn't mean they aren't struggling to keep pace with this rapid uptick in demand. That struggle creates an opportunity for you to help them improve their efficiency and speed through technologies like AI, robotics, and more. Take advantage of the heightened interest in collaboration, security, and mobility products by creating solutions that keep your manufacturing and warehouse customers on pace with increasing demand. Check out all the solutions you need and more at scansource.com backslash warehouse.